Sarah is really one of the most authentic people I've seen online. And when you see her on social media, you just feel like you know her. She gives you that feeling of being fun and positive, but really working on yourself. She motivates you while she tells you that you're beautiful while she kicks you in the butt. So it's a really beautiful mixture of all the things. And one quote that she mentioned really stuck out for me, which was every time she posts, she thinks about the value that the reader or the listener, the viewer can get out of what she posts. So this is something that really reflects in everything that she puts out there and if you want to get motivated inspired work on your health and fitness or just fangirl a person she is the one assalamu alaikum and welcome to the shared diversity podcast my name is sina Ports, brand communicator content artist and author and each week i introduce you to an amazing person story or message to help you empower yourself in your career and life. On here you can find exclusive interviews with successful businesswomen where we discuss topics around business, branding and womanhood. And if you'd like to see the video version of this or any other episodes, go and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also follow us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn on Shared Diversity and myself at Port, so you can join giveaways and learn more about building a personal brand and career. Sarah is a fitness instructor and the founder of Fitnessed. She has been in the fitness industry for over 15 years. She's one of my favorite women to follow online, I'm telling you, especially when you're looking for wholesome content on Instagram, because she's just the right amount of super helpful content, like recipes and workouts, cute family pics, and lovely motivation all at once. We talked about her journey from coaching in a basement to selling fitness programs online, the secret of truly being authentically yourself online. She also talks about how she manages the right intention, purpose, and having something that sustains you financially, and how to start with zero customers and build loyal fans that will cheer you on forever. She also gives insight into selling online without being a techie person. I'm telling you, this is such good value. And she talks about her experience as a mother and growing her business and family at the same time and the importance of physical and mental health for a businesswoman. So share this with a sister who really needs to hear this and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. This really helps us to push up on the algorithm and get this conversations to more people. So let's get into it. Oh, and I forgot, if you hear us talking about a cat, there was a Sarah's cat who was just walking through the picture the whole time. So if you want to see the video version of that, that's way more fun. <laughs> I was like, I can put him in a room if you want. He's so like, it's so funny when we got a cat, I'm like, everyone's like, oh, cats are like, they're so easy. And this and that. this cat is like, he, he is, he's really crazy. He's so active. He, he wants attention all the time. Like yeah. we'll be sitting and he'll like come and sit right on your lap or like right on your face. And you're just, <laughs> it's, so, it's so nice to finally meet you. Cause we were oh, like, nice to see your face and chat. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks so much for asking me. Alhamdulillah. I find this cat is so funny. I can't <laughs> Usually how we start the podcast. So for anyone who doesn't know you, could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? Oh, 30 seconds. Yeah. My name is Zara. I am a personal trainer, fitness instructor. Um, I do online fitness programs. Um, I have a health and fitness blog. I am a mom of two, three, I forgot. <laughs> um, I live in Toronto. I've actually born and raised in um, Canada, in just in Toronto. And yeah, I love health and fitness and I love sharing how people can incorporate health and fitness into their everyday life and just live a healthy, enjoyable life. 
Yeah, and I, that's what I really love. I told you about it earlier that everything is kind of in your living room or in your bedroom and you're doing, you know, the workouts with your kids. It's so approachable and it's kind of like you look at it and you're like, why am I not doing this? Like there's literally no excuse that I could come up with to not do this right now. So you um, actually are in the industry for 18 years. How did you get started? Um, so uh, I've always been into health and fitness. Um Growing up, I played on a lot of like team sports and basketball, volleyball, track and field. And uh, when it was time to go into university, I was kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, typical, like I'm the youngest of three. So my brother was an accountant. My sister was a pharmacist. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do the traditional, you know, like those types of careers. And so um, it was actually my track and field coach. He's like, have you heard of this program called kinesiology? And I was like, what? And so he explained it to me. And it was like basically the study of like the body, health and fitness, nutrition, physiology, anatomy, biomechanics. And I was like, this sounds amazing. Like, you know, this is exactly up my alley. So um, yeah, after talking to my parents, uh, they were like, what, what do you want to do? <laughs> Never even heard of this. They're like, okay, you know, they, they knew that it was my passion and they knew that I would probably never sit at a desk or have like a job, something. They knew I, I would have a job where I'd be active and, you know, I love working with people. And yeah, so I did... Um, a kinesiology degree. It was a four-year degree. And then I became a personal trainer and I wanted to go into physiotherapy. Then I got married and um, followed my husband around for his schooling. But yeah, I just started training and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved working with um, women who just wanted to, you know, push themselves a little bit more. A lot of them were very nervous coming in and it was really nice to help them through that journey um, of, you know, just like not feeling like they were at their you know, their, their best self physically and, and kind of seeing them go through those ups and downs. And as a trainer, you're really there. Like you see them, you know, three hours a week, you're kind of like a therapist and a trainer and a friend all wrapped in one. And, you know, um, like there's some women, women I've trained for years and years. And so it's so nice to see them work towards their fitness goals and kind of be there cheering them on and, you know, like helping them get there. So I've always loved it. I've always, you know, um, knew I would do something in health and fitness, but I didn't know which route it would take, maybe a phys ed teacher or maybe work with like professional teams. That's kind of something I was thinking of as well as like an athletic therapist, but alhamdulillah, like it's landed me where I am and I get to, you know, just kind of share my love with so many people. And I th I'm really happy and lucky that I get to do that. How old were you when you actually started training people? Because I can imagine your role as a trainer has changed over time. Like in the beginning, quite young. So you were more like the peer? Well, when I, well, I started training um, when I was in university. I actually started working at a women's only gym in mm -hmm. Toronto. And um, yeah, I, w I was just like, you know, front desk. And I just loved the atmosphere of the gym. And then um, I took like a certification. And so I think I was like 18 when I started training, mm -hmm. um, 18, 19. Yeah. And I started training. And again, I would just like sub for a trainer. And I was, you know, like people enjoy training with me. So people would request me. And it kind of just, you know, people see you working out with someone else or, you know, results you're getting them. And I just kind of picked up clients like that. So yeah, it's been, it's been, and it's been a, long time <laughs> I've been training for a while who do you think has been the biggest like person that has kind of brought you into this change from bringing your passion into your business because I mean I can imagine the first person was the um like the how do you say a phys ed teacher yeah right that kind of made you understand that this is a possibility but do you think you would have come to that conclusion by yourself um, I think I would have, um, 
done something, like I said, in the health and fitness. I thought like maybe become a chiropractor, mm -hmm. become a physiotherapist, or um, like I said, an athletic therapist. So that's kind of what I thought I was going towards. Um, actually, the personal training was just in the meantime until we settled and I could go back to school. But Alhamdulillah, I ended up enjoying it so much. And I ended up working with a company and moving up to become a manager, like a, a fitness manager there for the personal training team and growing that team. So I just, it kind of, you know, like snowballed and, you know, from training one client, I started training, you know, a handful of clients. And then I started managing a club and their personal trainer. So it kind of just grew from one step to the other. So um, it's just, like I said, like um, I've always um, I've been lucky, like even in support, like my husband's always supported me. He knows that, you know, like this is my passion and, and, and every way it's pivoted, he's like, all right, so we're going to like, you know, I wanted to train clients and then I wanted to do this online thing. And then, so it's always been nice to have that support from, from both my family and my husband. Mm -hmm. It's been mm -hmm. great. And the transition from the physical to the online, how has that been for you? Because when you started, I can imagine it was still in like the baby shoes because uh, yeah, I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, like as I was doing it and I guess I, I was, training and I was teaching classes and I was doing like the in-person stuff. And as my, I guess, following on social media grew, people were like, oh, I'd love to train with you. And I, and I would sit back and think like, okay, like how can I do this or how can I reach more people? And, you know, like there are other programs out there. And I was like, but there's, there are other programs out there, but you know, like what is it that makes me different or makes it different that people are reaching out to me. And I realized that, you know, it's just maybe seeing someone that looks like themselves or someone that, you know, that they can relate to. And so, you know, it was very nerve wracking at the beginning, like filming your workouts and, you know, like, how is this going to work? Or, you know, I ended up filming like, you know, how many hours of training and I'm like, I hope inshallah this becomes something. And, you know, and I think just having, I've always been very lucky to have support from my community. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely a learning process. You know, I've been doing it. I'm in my second year now. So definitely learning as you go. And, and then it's funny, we were talking about the technical, technical stuff, like it, it's, it's about the training, but then you really have to learn about like, the technical stuff and how to deliver this program and how to make sure that people, you know, enjoy it. And, you know, there's, there's so many other things involved. So I really wrote down the program. I'm like, this is what I want people to get out of it. Now let me figure out the flip side and figure out how I can deliver it to, to people and, and, and get them the best results or the best benefits from doing it. Mm -hmm. And when you started also creating the videos, did you feel any kind of self-conscious in doing that? Because it's, one thing to do it in a women's only gym and do it in person and then first of all trying to do like doing it in a way that is modest and that is you but then also that you have to connect to the person behind the camera that is not there when you film it at the moment so how yeah, has that been it's been um it's been interesting to be honest like um so I always um I think I started doing videos on Instagram first. So that got me a little bit comfortable. And then I realized like at the end of the end, it's tough. Like if you wear too modest clothes, people can't see your form. And if you, you have to wear something that you're comfortable with, right? So everyone has a different degree or a different level that they're comfortable with. But I think at the end, I would always come back to my intention. And my intention is to show people that they can work out in the comfort of their own home, homes, get results. It's not, these are not easy workouts in the sense that, you know, you will be challenged and you'll get a good workout and you'll see results from it. So that was my biggest, um, you know, my biggest goal that I wanted people to get at. So, you know, even just the idea of um, like after I had kids, that's kind of when I started working out at home because you don't have 
know, I couldn't spend hours at the gym like I used to. You know, I wasn't working at the gym. I was at home with my kids. And that's when I was like, all right, fit a quick 15-minute workout here, 20 minutes here. And really, that's how I helped myself get back, you know, where I was before the kids. But in coming back to, like, you know, getting comfortable filming, I just realized that there was a need for it. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I have this. I want to reach more people. So bismillah. Like, you know, people started asking for it. And I was like, you know what? If this helps one or two people you know, it's worth it. If there's a couple of people that don't like what I'm doing or that don't agree with what I'm wearing, you know, maybe it's not for them, but at the end, it's, I think it's about the intention behind it. And my intention was to, you know, get people comfortable in whatever they are, whether you want to wear shorts and a tank top or you want to be fully covered, it's, you know, like fitness is for everyone, right? So maybe if they see someone that's a little bit more covered, then that would help them being like, oh, if she's doing it, then I can do it too. Mm-hmm. You are talking about the the concept of influence and understanding that it doesn't matter if you reach a thousand or if you just reach two people that that is the intention behind it but then how do you balance that with having something that sustains you financially i think at the end it's about intention so i think um if you're truly passionate about something like yeah you have to sit back and think about you know um what you're doing and how to grow a business and this and that but i think you know, I would, I, for me, I, anyone that gets my program, anyone that does anything like at the end, I want them to see results, whether it's feeling better or learning something or coming away with a recipe or a workout. So I think if your intention is to provide as much value as you can, then I think inshallah, you know, you have to set proper systems in place, but I think your, your business will grow, right? Like you always have to come back, I think, and think about who is, um, you know, who you want to help, who your customer would be and how you can help them best. And then I think that, you know, it's through word of mouth with the challenge. I've been so lucky. It's been through, you know, um, someone signing up and be like, I signed up my mother and my sister and my mother-in-law and my, (laughs) oh, my, my husband's doing it. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like it takes like, you know, it takes literally like a handful of people to really believe in you and help spread that word. And, you know, and then I think your business grows from there. Yeah. There's this concept of um, having a thousand true fans. Yeah. Which I forgot the name of the person that came up with it, but Seth Godin, Yeah, Seth Godin talks a lot about it, and it's um, it's basically the concept of. Do, can you explain it and how you kind of? Have I think it it's just like, we always think we have to have like so many customers, and we have to hit as many people. And I think with social media, and you know, it's all about the numbers, and it's like, okay, well, I reached this, and now I want to reach this, and I want to mm-hmm. reach that, and I think we all get caught up in it. And so, so with 1,000 true fans, it's like you know, you you just need a you need a core group of people that will cheer you on that will support you. And I think you also need to see how you can service them as well, right? So it's, um, you know, in terms of them being your 1,000 true fans, that's really all you need in terms of, you know, supporting your business. And also if you have those 1,000 true fans and they go tell, you know, three people each and, mm-hmm. you know, that's how your business grows. Yeah. So how did you get to know your audience closer, especially in the online sphere? Personally, it's quite in like it's quite easy to kind of ask questions or see what people are struggling with what would you would they like to have but online how did you find that out how did you, did you get to know your audience actually so because I've always trained um in person and I still do and I think I always will because I think that connection is important as well so I would understand the concerns that my clients would have and my students would have in their classes and then um I think because I do share and I and I, I hope I share as much authentically as I can. Like I share the struggles with my family and I share like quick little workout here and this and that. Like I hope me opening up myself 
to my community allows them to feel comfortable to come to me. And I do like every day I get questions about, you know, um, I just had a baby and I'm really struggling to like, you know, lose the weight or um, I'm trying to do this or, you know, I've, I, I have absolutely no motivation. So I'm, I'm very lucky that people do open up. And I figure if one person is writing that message, there must be at least a hundred other people who are thinking the same thing but haven't written it. So I really start looking at those messages coming in. I love asking questions. I do a lot of polls. I do a lot of like, um, when I post my workouts, like just motivation in the sense of just get up and move. Like I think what I notice is from the messages I get is people overthink things way too much. Like what is the specific... Um, shoe I should be wearing and what's this and I think a lot of times as much as I love these questions a lot of times I think it's just excuses we put like I can't work out until I have these shoes and I can't work out or I can't eat well until I have all the proper ingredients where it's just like just start by making little little steps and then you can start worrying about those things but it's just like just get up and go for a 20 minute walk don't worry about whether you should be weight training and these types of exercises and that type of exercise it's just a matter of getting up and taking action and then slowly those will come so i think in terms of understanding my community it's a lot of um through comments through dms i get a lot of messages i get a lot of emails through people just letting me know where they are in terms of their health and fitness and where they want to be and then i always think if that one person is asking me then there must be a bigger number of people out there who are thinking it but just haven't communicated that to me yeah that is so interesting because it is true that a lot of times you want to ask something or the people around you kind of feel and think and want to know the same things but you don't approach and then the other thing that I find super exciting is that you talked about authenticity and this is like the one biggest thing that I see when I go on your Instagram or your social media Like today, like we're filming, I'm like, all right, I just worked out, but that's okay. But it is like that because we overcomplicate authenticity so much, and I am struggling with it, especially online. In person, I never have a problem, but online, it's just, what do I want to share? What is kind yeah. of, it goes too far, you know? How much do I want to share of my family and of myself? Like, it's kind yeah. of this fear of being vulnerable as well, but you need a sense of vulnerability in your personal brand so that people feel open to approach you yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's a struggle. I think I think it's funny. I always talk about this. Like even people who are starting now, um, I think for me, it's, it was always just about sharing. You know, I think because it was starting, the reason I started social media was because we moved around so much. So a little bit of background is like I would we'd live in a city for like a year and this happened after we had the kids. So I would join like a mom and baby group and then we'd have like play dates. And then when the moms found out I was a trainer, they're like, screw the play dates, like let's have workout sessions. And so I would teach like every week we'd get together, we'd bring the kids, I teach a class and then I would move after a year. So with um, Facebook and Instagram, it was a way for me to keep in touch with them and like mm -hmm. share my recipe, share what the kids are doing. So it was kind of a personal account to start with. And then it became something bigger. And so I think I've always been like, I've always shared what we do with the kids, what we eat, how I'm working out. So those are kind of things that I've always shared. So it was easy to keep that as the account grew. Um, and I also realized like for myself, I do find like sometimes when I do see a very curated feed and I really do like seeing it, but then I'm like, I don't know, to me, I don't, I feel like I can't live up to that. Like that's too much. And so I feel like you know, I like to see more realness. And so I try to, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I do, I, I feel like I'm talking to a friend when I pop on my Instagram stories, because I feel like I have made such connections with some of the people that, you know, are out there of this community that I feel like I'm talking to them. And so I, I think if you think about 
too much about, oh, what will people think and this and that. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's just, I'm talking to a few people, like I would talk to a friend or a client and that's kind of how I'm going about that. And and you do struggle, especially now that my kids are getting older, you know, there's certain things, you know, I'm definitely not sharing anything. I don't share fights. I don't share this or, you know what I mean? Like there's sometimes where you're just like, that's not something to share. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm sure people know that that's still going on. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, as, as the kids are getting older, you want to make sure that you're respecting their space as well and what they're Mm -hmm. comfortable with and so it's always you know you always have to kind of take a step back maybe every couple of months and reevaluate and say okay like where am I going with this or how much am I sharing Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's always a balance and I think you have to find what works best for you and Mm -hmm. I think the more you do it with new people who are coming into the space again the more you realize what you have that can help someone the more you think that you know I'm doing this to maybe help someone on the other end or give value or give advice or give a tip, then I think it's easier to share it in that sense. Mm-hmm. What other values and standards do you set for your own brand? Because one I hear is authenticity. The other, which comes up a lot, is service that you're talking about. What other values and standards do you set for your, for your brand? So I think when I'm posting or when I always just feel like I want someone to be able to take something away from this. So whether it's a recipe, a workout, some motivation, even if it's a post with my kids, like if it's, you know, I, I could have been, you know, my goal, my plan was to wash dishes, but then the kids dragged me to the park, but I'm glad I went. And just like, you know, like, yeah, like life, we don't have to be so serious about life. Like, you know, like when your kids are young, take that time and spend time with them and stuff like just little things that I'm learning as well that I can share. So I think, yeah, definitely being authentic, being, um, adding value and, uh, just, you know, hoping that people get something out of what, what you're putting out there. Those for me, I always think. So even like when I'm posting, I always think, is this like, is, is this something that someone can take away? So I, I obviously food, I feel like if it's a recipe or a food idea, something quick that they can make, is it an exercise that they can try? Is it a quote that I really enjoyed? Is it some motivation that maybe I shared with a client earlier that might resonate with someone else? So those are the types of themes I like to think of when I'm sharing. And I want to get a little bit more technical. So you talked about, you know, blogs that you do in the courses and you do a lot of courses also for Ramadan and all these things. So beautiful and so on point. And you look at it and you're just like, what, how, how does she read my mind? (laughs) So how is the process from the start of there is an idea or there isn't a demand to then the end product of having a course. Yeah. So there's so many ideas, right? We all have ideas floating. So like I said, my passion, my passion is to, you know, like the training and the recipes. And then when you ask me about technical, so for the longest time, I was like, I want to do this program. I just had no idea of how to deliver it. Or I have like a seven day free seven day challenge. I have the Ramadan guide, like you mentioned. And a lot of times it was just finding the right person that can help you execute it. So that's when you, I realized that it doesn't make sense for me to, I can have all the information. I can write it down. I don't know how to make it look pretty. I can take the pictures, but I don't know how to format it. I don't know. Is that, I would much rather spend time training and, you know, like developing recipes and workout programs. And then if I can outsource that, or I can get someone who knows my aesthetic, someone who I can trust. So it took a while. Um, But um, I found someone who was able to just like take my ideas and make them into pretty PDFs and take my pictures and kind of, you know, bring my vision to life. So I think it's about, you know, sometimes if you can't do it or sometimes realizing that what's going to take you 
like three days might take someone two or three hours. And so just realizing that sometimes it's good to outsource, to ask for help, to ask, you know, a friend who might be able to do it or things like that. Um, I really realized that I had to ask for help. So even with my program, like I wrote it out, my husband edited it, like, you know, like in things like that, like you, you do need, you know, it's hard to do it all at once or even just figuring out how to get it emailed to people and things like that. Right. Like it's, it's, there's so many steps to that, right. You're like, okay, so I have this PDF, but how do I get it to people and how do I, you know, so in terms of marketing and, you know, getting it to their inbox and things like that. So um, it definitely took a lot of steps, but I think I, for so long, I thought about it and it was like so overwhelming that I didn't even know where to start. But once I started breaking down, okay, so the first thing I need to do is write it down. The second thing I need to do is get someone to make it look pretty. The third thing I need to do. So just breaking it down into those little steps, I found made it a lot easier and it does take time, right? But um, it's worth it in the end. How do you get people on the team? Is it like per project? Do you find people online? Like you say, you have uh, people in your network. Do you yeah. pay them in commission or in percentage of the sales or yeah. is it more like an hourly rate? How does it work? More like uh, uh, project-based. So yeah, like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, how many pages I have, or this is what I'm planning to do. So it, it's more project-based. So then like, okay, you want to, you know, we have to make a new website for your challenge. So this is what we need to do or we need to. So, and it was just about asking around. Like I find that a lot of times you have to start surrounding yourself with the type of people that are doing the things you want to do. Like, so, you know, like a lot of my friends don't do what I do. Right. So I had to go out and I had to, you know, I, I mean, I, it was nice to make friends with other influencers, but then I thought I was like, oh, these women are into business as well. Like, let me ask them what their resources are. And so it's just about asking and people are actually really, um, really good at sharing their resources. I think I've found like, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm stuck on this. Oh, try this and this and this. Right. So it's just a matter of being open enough to, um, share where your problems are and um, what your challenges are. And a lot of times people are more than happy to come with resources. What I felt for a long time was um, everyone has their stuff together and I don't. Like a lot of times you look at people and you're like, how are they doing this? How are they doing that? And then when you peel back the layers and you actually sit and talk with them, you're like, oh, okay, everyone's just trying to figure it out as they go along. Right? So then you kind of like, you're like, okay, fine. And and you do end up figuring out it. I haven't, but a lot of people will sometimes go online and like, um, you know, like post jobs or tasks mm -hmm. that they need. I haven't yet, but um, yeah, I found people, um, one person was just through a friend recommendation. And then someone actually on my social media, she reached out to me and was like, Hey, this is what I do. If you ever need help. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that's great. Right. So Yeah. And even like, I haven't done it, but sometimes I'll see um, people do like a call out on their social media being like, this is what I'm looking for. And, mm -hmm. you know, if someone is already in your community, understands what you're passionate about and understands where you want to go, sometimes it might be a, a good fit. Mini break, please don't forget to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button to get the newest and freshest content. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast, rate this podcast and follow Zara and myself on Instagram. Zara's Instagram is Salibhai, which I'm pretty sure I pronounced wrong. So here's how you spell it. Z-A-L-L-I-B-H-A-I. And you can find the podcast, as always, at Share Diversity. Tag us, let us know what you thought of this episode, share some love with us, and we'll see you over there.
Yeah, that's what I found as well, that if you go outside and you just do your thing, sometimes people approach you. You shouldn't yeah. wait, you know, you shouldn't be like, okay, I want to do something now. Let me wait for someone to show up. Like, send me a message. But yeah. it does it does help to speak about what you want to achieve and to just, you know, put your brand out there and talk about it because then people naturally will come and join you and wanting to want to be part of you. And that's what I found much more powerful than only going out on Indeed or LinkedIn and posting a job and then having like 800 applications coming back yeah, and you're just yeah. like, no one here understands what you, yeah, they just, there's just this personal experience that goes into having a, having a market of, um, you know, Muslim women that yeah. a lot of people don't understand and they just don't understand the demand. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so I wanted, I wanted to, ask, to ask, uh, how, how you, you actually, actually manage, manage your business, your business and, and family. family. Huge question. <laughs> well, well, as you can see, I'm sitting in a messy living room. It's <laughs> not messy. Sorry, but let's be authentic. This is really not messy. Like I said, it's like a bright gallery. But it's tough. It's I don't think I. You know what? I don't think um, there is a way to balance it. I think there's always going to be times where one is going to take over more time than the other. So, for example. I'm launching my next challenge. It starts on Monday and it's, it's a busy, busy time. So it's, it's, you know, my kids come home, they're doing work. I open my computer, I'm doing work as well. Right. Like, so, you know, you're responding to people, you're getting back to people because, you know, sometimes it's just you and like even, you know, my husband sometimes will hop on and help me with like customer service or answering emails and stuff like that. And when you're on a time crunch and people have questions or, you know, have questions about billing or have questions about just the challenge in general, you want to get to them in a timely way. And then there's other times where, you know, that are quiet that you can, you know, spend time more with the family and stuff. But what, what I'm really trying to do is just also just take time, put my phone in a completely different room if I really want to spend time. Because if it's there, I'm very likely to grab it. And, you know, it's hard to get sucked into that. Like, you know, it's hard not to, I mean. So, yeah, I think it's just... Um, for me, realizing that it's never always going to be like a perfect balance, like, you know, sometimes the business is going to be booming and I'll feel really good in that and I'll be like, oh, but I didn't get a chance to do this with the kids or I didn't make dinner, we just had to take out for three days in a row, right? But then, and then sometimes where I'm like, oh, the business is a bit quiet so I can spend a lot more time with it because not feel bad that I should be working on my business. Understanding that there's like highs and lows and... And, and also, also like really maximizing the time that I spend with them. So even whether it's I only get, you know, a few hours with them, but making sure that that time is quality time that I'm, I'm putting with them. So and then, and then yeah, like even things like, you know, I think if you can, it's, it's good to get help in both aspects, right? So, um, you know, sometimes I'll have my parents help me, I'll have my in-laws help me. I think it's okay to ask for help as well. Yeah. So, okay, I want to go a little bit deeper into what have you been challenging what have been challenging times especially when the kids were younger and you had your business at the same time did you take a break how did you manage it when yeah when they were just not that independent at that time because yeah I have a lot of mothers especially single mothers that have uh kids around two three years old and uh, they are starting their business up there in the midst of it yeah. so that's a tough mine are a bit older actually now it's funny because um I'll get more like pushback. They're like, mom, you're always working. <laughs> mom, you're always like, you know, when they're that young, they can't tell you anything. <laughs> but, um, and it's good. I have like, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I will admit sometimes, you know, they're like, just put your photo in. I'm like, you're right. Like I need to just, <laughs> <laughs> I, need to 
I need to just, you know, and, and they call me out on that stuff sometimes. Right. Which is totally, which is, which is good. I think they keep me in check, which is good. But when your kids are young, I think, um, I had a lot of nights where I would work, put them to bed and then just, you know, do as much as I could when they napped. I did, you know, and, and sometimes I did, I, I, you know, I feel like sometimes cause we're working from home, we feel very guilty that we're working from home. So we need to have a full day of work, but we also need to have dinner. We have to have a clean house. We have to have, so whereas like if I went out and worked, if I came home to a messy house, I wouldn't feel bad because it's like, oh, I was at work all day. So I think it's really hard to have that. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we're like, oh, we're home. So I'll pop in a load of laundry or I'll do this or I'll do that. Right. So really just trying to separate that, which I'm still finding like really hard sometimes. So sometimes I'll go out to a coffee Mm -hmm. shop or a library to just get work done because I feel like when I'm home, I feel like, oh, I should be doing other things. And maybe just like, um, you know, like I don't, I think, you know, if you send your kid to a play group or something like a few days a week, it's almost better to, instead of, so to have a little bit of time on your own, where you can really focus and have a few hours. If you are looking to build a business, then I think it's, it's worth investing that time into it and, or asking for help. Like, you know, um, if you have parents or grandparents or something like that. Like, I I think that a lot of times we feel like we have to put this hero badge on and try and do everything ourselves. And, um, you know, sometimes that's not possible. So fitting or, or having more realistic expectations and saying that the business will maybe grow a little bit slower, but you know, right now I want to spend time with my kids and just when you have the time, you maximize the time that you have to put in towards your business. Yeah. So what have been, um, say your biggest or most helpful routines or productivity tips that you have applied in your life? I mean, things change over the time and and you learn, but what have been like the most significant for you that have helped? Yeah. So I'm still, I I feel with the nature of my job too, it's constantly changing, right? So I'm still trying to figure out a groove, but what I'm trying is I'm trying to do more batch work. So a lot of times, like in a day I'll have like, okay, do this blog post, do this video, but I'm like, I'm very scattered. So like, I'll do the blog post and then I'll do the video, but it'll take me so long to set up the camera and this and that. So I'm trying more to batch work. So like one day is all filming. One day is maybe doing, you know, um, emails. One day is doing, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to batch work a little bit more. So that's helped so that that day, sometimes if that's your only focus for that day, then you can really do that and do that well. So even like if you're doing podcasts, I don't know if you schedule a bunch in a day or not, or, you know, just depending on, you know, so you, you kind of get into a flow yeah. and you kind of get into that, like, okay, this is what I'm doing for that day. So, you know, today I'm writing up recipes today. I'm working on the challenge. So, you know, even if it's not full days, but like chunks of time where you're just doing that one thing, I feel like sometimes that helps as well because I can you say, okay, I finish this and then I finish this and then I finish that, but it's all within the same theme of things. Whereas before I used to be like, okay, these are the things I need to do. And it was like 10 different things. And so I would be bouncing around and it would be hard for me to like, you know, finish one task and then focus and get set up for the next. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause you need to prepare and then you need to unwind. Yeah. So it's exactly. easy to prepare, yeah. do all of it, unwind. Yeah. That's yeah. Really nice. So I found that has helped. Um, I, every day I'm trying to be more organized. So just more things like now, because we have, you know, a couple, like, you know, I mean, just if we're working on a project, we might have another person helping us. So just making up lists and tasks and marking those as we go along and seeing what everybody's doing and stuff. So yeah, just trying to be, trying to be a little bit more organized in terms of that. And um, like I said, the batch working as well. How is, I mean, it's your profession, but how important do you think health and staying fit is for your productivity? I think it's very important. Yeah. Like I think, um, like I know the days I 
don't get to work out or staying fit and just being healthy in general. The days I've eaten, not eaten well, I can feel it. Um, so I think if I've you know, exercise, I'm definitely, I have more energy for the day as well. Um, if I've eaten well, I definitely focus better and, um, you know, feel like I can actually work a little bit better as well. So I do think it's very important. Obviously it's part of my job. So alhamdulillah, I get to do it most days. Um, but, uh, I think it's just to have a routine, just like you would schedule in like, you know, your blocks for meetings or, you know, call time or doing certain things, it's really important to schedule in that fitness because sometimes we push it aside and then at the end of the day, we're too tired or we don't even, you know, we're like, forget it. I'm not even going to do it. So I think if you can, if you can do it earlier on in the day, it's a great way to set the tone for the day. You already feel accomplished that you've done something for yourself, right? So you feel good. You've worked out. So you're more likely to make healthier eating choices as well, right? Because you're like, I just worked out for an hour and I sweat really hard and I'm like, you know, and I, and, you know, I want to make sure that that workout, you know, I get the most benefit out of it. So I think it's really important to have it and it doesn't have to be, it can be something as simple as just going out and getting some fresh air and going for a walk, right? It doesn't have to be anything super, super intense, but I think just to do something active every day to get your body moving, um, especially if you're sitting like at a computer all day or at a desk, like, I don't think we realize you know, how much we're stuck at our computer just working and you're working hard, but your body is just sitting there, right? So even for your mind to get up, to move around, to just stretch out a little bit, I think it's really important. What do you, what would you say is like the minimum that someone can do that would be helpful to stay active and healthy throughout the day? Like, I would say like, even if you did, I would say 30 minutes a day if you can, but you can break that up into like bursts of 10 minutes. Like, you know, that there's no reason why you can't do that. If 30 minutes is too overwhelming, like, you know, three times in the day, just like, you know, get up, walk, stretch around, do jumping jacks, do squats. Like it, it, it can be anything, right? Like if you're just starting, if you find 30 minutes too overwhelming, then like, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, 10 minutes maybe before you wind down and go to bed. But I would say try to get in at least 30 minutes a day if you can. Do you, how do you manage your time in the morning and in the evenings? So you said, because it is important to, to do a lot of things in the morning, but then yeah. all the things happen in the morning. Like the kids have to go. Oh, to our mornings are crazy. It's waking up the kids, getting lunch ready, getting breakfast ready. So to be honest, mornings, as much as I try, sometimes I, I do try to wake up before I used to wake up, like the kids would wake me up and then it was like a mad rush um, because you literally have no time for yourself. Right. But um, now I at least try to wake up like, 20 minutes, half an hour before the kids wake up. So um, I usually that's just get myself ready, get down, like just start kind of getting their lunches ready and stuff. But my day usually starts after they've dropped the kids off to school. So if I have an important project I'm working on, maybe I'll wake up a little bit earlier and try to finish a little bit of that. Um, but mostly, you know, kids are dropped off and then my day starts. Mm -hmm. What would you have liked to know before you started the whole business thing that would have made your life 10 times easier. <laughs> I think, um, you know what? I, I don't know, actually. I think one thing I wish I had done was taken action sooner. Like I waited and I waited because you're in your head so much. So I think just do. And if you fail, at least you're learning along the process. I think I was just I'm so afraid that whatever I tried, if it wasn't successful, then that was it. You know what I mean? So I really just sat thinking about it and talking about it and not doing anything. And so what could have been like, 
I thought about this program for two years, mm -hmm. but and did nothing. Like I wrote it out, but I did nothing. And then from the second I actually decided to do it, to executing it, to having people do it was like a span of like four or five months. Mm -hmm. And so I just wish that like if I had done that two years ago, but that's okay. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm learning from that. But I think um, sometimes we overthink things and we think it has to be perfect. Um, actually, this line, I, progress is better than perfection. So just taking project, pro progress, taking little actions um, and, and maybe just investing more in, at the beginning, I tried to bootstrap everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this on a low budget. And, but I think it's worth taking a course if it's going to help you with something or, you know, paying for a platform or paying for a program, if you think it's going to help excel in your business. So um, just maybe those two things, like take action, don't be afraid, you know, if it fails, that's fine. I think so many things have failed and people don't, we focus on our failures, but I don't think people do as much as we do. Um, so take action and most likely it's going to succeed if you're putting your heart into it. And then also like, yeah, take time to learn certain processes and um, whether it's taking a course or just getting even someone else to walk you through certain things, because I feel like, you know, we kind of figured a lot of stuff out on our own and which was fine. And Alhamdulillah, we did it and I did it in the end. But, um, you know, if I had had someone walk me through it or set it up for me, maybe it would have just been more streamlined from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about failures for a second? Yes. Do you have like a favorite failure that was like the big mess and you're like, okay, life is over. Where am I going from here? And you learn so much out of it. Can you tell us about this? Because a lot of times we think, We are the only ones failing and everyone around us just like having things ordered. Yeah. So Alhamdulillah, I've been, Alhamdulillah with what I've put out, I've been happy, but I, I can talk about like just in terms of learning how to shift. And so for the longest time I used to teach classes from home and it was like in the evenings and I loved it. Like that was my dream. Like we, we built this house. I'm like, we're going to have a studio in the basement. Like I loved it. I would teach two evenings a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved it. I did it for like four years. I would have like 12, 15 ladies come and um, it was awesome. But what happened was that my business was changing and my family was changing. And at some point, the kids were like, we miss, like, even though you're home, we don't get to say goodbye to you because I'm going downstairs. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit disruptive because there's like, it's loud, right? When you're teaching a class and the classes were like from 8.30 to 9.30 at night. So, you know, my husband's trying to put the kids to bed upstairs. There's music downstairs. We're all jumping, you know, and then the class is done. Everyone's on a high, everyone leaves. It's still kind of loud. And so, um, you know, for the longest time, I just dragged them on because I didn't want to stop them. I loved doing them so much. And I thought if I stop this, then you know, this is something I love so much and what's going to happen. But, you know, sitting down with my family, we had like a whole meeting. The kids were like, mama, we don't, we, you know, they're like, it's too loud. We can't sleep. And, and that's when I was like, okay, like I have to take this step back. Right. And then, you know, I felt like I was kind of failing because I prompt, like I, these women were counting on me and they were like, what are we going to do? Or even just one evening a week, or can we find another space? And I just had to be like, you know, right now for my business and my family, this is actually not working because I would finish teaching the class and then I'd go upstairs and then I'd sit down and do more work and, you know, work on my online stuff. And so I think I was stretching myself too thin and that's where, you know, there were, I would like, you know, I, I was just exhausted by the end of the week. So I was teaching six, seven classes a week of physically like working out. And so just realizing that I couldn't do it all mm -hmm. and I had to pick and choose where I had to spend my energy. And even though I loved, loved, loved teaching those classes, I just realized that for my family and for my business at that moment in time, it wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. And again, it took me a long time to realize that. And I felt like I was failing these women, but 
you know, they were the first ones to support me when I did my challenge online. And you know what I mean? So like, I was kind of like, well, they're going to hate me. And they're going to be like, no, like for four years there has been teaching, what are we going to do? And so just realizing that like, you know, it's okay to shift what shift your business and your focus and do what works best for you. And people will understand that. So it's kind of a roundabout way of saying it, but I think feeling like I'm failing other people, but realizing that I have to do what works best for me. Mm -hmm. That could also apply in, you know, changing your career and then making, making yourself understand that this is the best for you if you feel it is and not trying to, you know, just finish it for the sake of finishing it or just going after it for the sake of going after it, but understanding kind of where do you belong right now in your situation, situation where you are. So, um, two more questions. One is you have a daughter. How, how old is she now? She's eight. Okay. So what would you tell her that would make her journey easier to creating something meaningful out of what she loves and what she's good at? I think I would tell her, um, that's a very good question. So I think we always tell girls to like, I think now, alhamdulillah, like, you know, we're empowering girls, empowering them. We're, you know, telling them they have to have a voice. They have to stand up for themselves. I think I grew up with that as well. Like my parents were very, um, you know, I played sports. It was never, I, you know, like my cousin boys would play soccer when we went on a picnic and then my dad's like, yeah, go play with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like culturally, like a lot of times he's like, yeah, go run, go show them that you're faster than them. Or, you know what I mean? Like I had that growing up. I was very lucky, but it was also like a cultural thing, like what will other people say with mm -hmm. other things, right? And like, so I feel like as much as you want them to, you know, be kind and be conscious of other people's feelings and be empathetic, I think you, that you want them to be true to themselves as well. And so I would tell her that, um, you know, whatever you put your heart to, do it with passion and purpose, like whatever, do it with all of your heart, whatever it's going to do. You're going to sell ice cream on the road, do it with all of your heart, treat your people that come to you with kindness. Like, I think it doesn't matter um, what you're doing as long as you do it with, with passion and with love and with kindness. And um, yeah. And I also, I would want her to just understand, you know, get her idea of what success and what happiness is, because I think a lot of times we're raised to believe that it's all about, you know, having a certain income or having this or having this. And I really want them to realize my son and daughter, but, you know, as we're talking about girls, is that like, you know, you, you are in control of your own happiness and your own success. You, you really, um, you really can control that as well. And also understanding what that is for you so that you can work towards that. So, you know, we think it's financial freedom or we think it's, you know, having a big house, but it might not be, it might be having a close knit group of friends that you're very, you know, it might be traveling. It might be something that makes you happy. So I really want her to, you know, really understand herself enough to know what her idea of success is. If that I makes sense. That. That's beautiful, mashallah. Because she's already crazy and loud and silly. So she has that down back. <laughs> she has the vibe. But I also love that. Right? Yeah, I think you just want them to be themselves, right? You just want them to be comfortable in their own skin. You want them to be compassionate, empathetic as well. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we try to give them as much as, you know, like we want them to be everything and we want them to have all those qualities. But in the end, I think you want them to be, you know, happy and content. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. 
Okay, so uh, last question is actually a question that you can ask the audience anything that we talked about today that they could answer in the comments below. Oh my goodness, putting me on the spot. Okay, question I can ask the audience. Um, how do they find... Okay, actually, so... Um, for a lot of people like are that are along this whole fitness journey, like um, how do they see health and fitness and how do they fit it into their life or the importance of it? Because for me, it's my job. It's a part of my life. I, I do it every day. But for someone who hasn't grown up active or who someone has who hasn't had that in their life, like what do they think being healthy and active means to them? And then how do they go about fitting that into their everyday life? Nice. Okay, inshallah. Beautiful. Actually, I have a bonus. I have a bonus question. How much do you feel mental and physical health bring? Oh, I think that's important. So, you know, I think um, so physical health is very important, but I think sometimes we focus on that because that's what you can see, right? Like, oh, I'm eating well or I'm doing this. But a lot of times are you, yeah, are you taking time for yourself? And it, you, you might be mentally exhausted and maybe you might not need a workout, but you might just need to like, you know, you might need to just write it all out and do like a brain dump, or you might just need to go on a walk or, you know, so just finding, so for me, working out is, is also a mental break for me too, right? Like I am, you know, not answering emails. I'm not doing this. I'm literally just focusing on my workout or when I go on a run or on a walk for me, that's my way of getting a physical workout, but also mentally just take a break from other things as well. But I do think mental health is so important. It's so important to make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well. And if it's just talking out whatever issues you have, whether it's reaching out to people, realizing that you're not the only one that's probably going through what you're going through, but even just taking time to just for yourself. We're, I don't think we, a lot of times we take that time. We're always on a device. We're always, we always need to be stimulated. We always need to have some sort of input coming in. So it's really important to just take that time. Things like Salah and stuff I think are so important because that really helps you just take, even if it's five, 10 minutes for yourself. And I love that right now, the conversation, I love that you bring that up, that the conversation, it took me a while because growing up, we were always like, just suck it up tough. It's going to be fine. It's going to be, don't talk about, you know, not your feelings so much, but like, you know, you can't talk about if something's upsetting you or you can't, you know, it's just like, it's fine. Suck it up. It's going to be fine. And so I think it's really important to, um, open that discussion and, and have people comfortable and, and feel comfortable enough to talk about those issues in a safe mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So I actually, I actually just started meditate, meditating. And before that, I um, thought, yeah, I'm just going to pray, you know, it's the same thing. And then when I was, when I found out that meditation is actually about not thinking yeah. at all, I was like, that's not what prayers is about. I mean, it, it gives me um, much more peace, but meditation is also a way of controlling that you sometimes don't think and then yeah. you sometimes don't hustle or ask for what you want. Because a lot of times in, when I make dua, I'm feeling, I'm actually just asking for, I want, for what I want. That's true. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to not think about what I want to achieve mm -hmm. and what I want to be like that. that. No, and even with, with, I haven't, I mean, we, I've done meditation here and there. I haven't been as consistent as I'd like to be, but um, I think it is. It just, it's just kind of like listening to your thoughts. A lot of times we don't stay still enough to listen to our thoughts. And, yeah. you know, like sometimes it's like listening to your fears and being like, okay, like, is this, you know, just kind of digging deeper into yourself and realizing like, just 
quietly listening and being like, okay, are these, these are my fears, but is that why, how I'm reacting to certain things or these are my, I don't know, like, it's just a way of just slowing it down and really just like digging deeper into your own thoughts. And, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you get clarity just from that. Like you don't have to have a conversation with someone. Sometimes you just kind of sit and think about what's going on and processing what's going on in your head. And then sometimes just that time to think helps give you answers and clarity as well. Yeah, because all the time we are thinking all the pressures coming from the outside and people are judging and especially how we look like in today's world and politics and stuff like that. But a lot of the things that are keeping and holding us back are actually coming from within, I feel, from the perception, from how we step into a room, from the accept the expectation that we set yeah, for sure. yeah. to our surroundings. It, it all comes from inside, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> and it's a never-ending process right we always have it to is. ourselves it's like fitness <laughs> it just yeah. you just gotta fit it in and you gotta figure out a way it's a journey right so we're all at different stages of that journey and hopefully each you know like each little bit we move towards getting better at it yeah inshallah. thank you so much for the time that you took to speak to me it was i i, I hope everyone took notes because this was so much value like in productivity health creating a business managing family and being authentic anything mashallah it was it was so much so much beautiful value oh, thanks i really enjoyed it and now sarah and i would love to hear from you leave in the comments below this episode on shareddiversity.com what does health and fitness mean to you what does it look like to be healthy and to stay fit leave it down in the comments and share diversity with us and of course i want to highlight one of you especially as you left a review on itunes for us and today's review is from farhia and she writes I have discovered shared diversity on Instagram initially as I was looking for more than makeup and fashion content. And as a black Muslim woman who has been scared and a little unsure as to how sharing my identity and unique personal brand would be received, I found both this podcast and the Instagram content immensely helpful and inspirational. Thank you for continuing to share with us. Farhia, thank you so, so much for this beautiful review. It really means so much to me and... I'm grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast and takes value out of it and actually takes a few seconds to leave a review. So remember, if you want to be featured in the next episode's review section, leave a review on iTunes for us. Rate us. It really helps us to get up in the algorithm so we can keep creating content that is relevant to you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to build your own personal brand to get your career and business to the next level, visit me on sinaport.com, S-I-N-A-P-O-R-T, to get access to free resources and programs to build a brand that's true to who you are. And hey, if you're not ready yet and you don't know what you want, just book a free call with me. I'll get to know you and we'll figure it out together. Again, that's sinaport.com. And I'll see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.